Let's read one verse, 2 Corinthians 12 and 10. Therefore, Paul said, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Now that is, that is said in the context of other verses. We'll talk a little bit about it. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy for every listener and every learner in the house of God today. Thank you for our guest. Lord, we are thankful that you're going to speak to us. Talk to us, Lord. I pray that we leave here knowing that we have strength in the Spirit and in the power of our, our God. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Sister Akers and I, my wife and I, took a trip this past uh, week. We kind of a last-minute decision uh, to go just for a few days of, of, of rest. And she found a place on the coast. And um, uh, I didn't know. I've never been that I can recall. to. I would have called it Topsail uh, Coast, Topsail Beach. But anybody know that it's not called that? It's Topsail. So I just let you know. Don't embarrass yourself when you go eat at a restaurant there. But uh, it's Topsail Beach, and it's not too far. So we, we found this nice little place to stay. And what was so interesting about this particular place that we stayed in, I have pictures of it, is that it was the only building, it's a set of buildings there, that, that literally, I kid you not, the water, uh, the ocean came literally up to the building and under the pier. And uh, it was so close that my balcony... I, it was probably 15, 20 feet to the waves as they were hitting underneath my balcony. And we were on the second floor, very close. And uh, we stayed all week there. And it was the building was so close to the ocean that anybody walking, if it was high tide, and, and uh, not even hardly that, I mean, even low tide, it was so close, but especially high tide. Yesterday when we left, if you would have walked the beach in front of that, trying just to walk the beach, you would have been... Uh, almost waist high in the water, you could not have walked that beach. So you have to go around those buildings that sits. The only set of buildings that I saw on that beach that literally was that close. Now, common sense says that that building has been there for many years and that it was at one time not that close to the water. And all the other buildings are set back, but this set of buildings, when it was built, I'm sure there was a uh, uh, some land, some some distance between it and the ocean. But somewhere along the line, there was a storm, uh, maybe a, a hurricane, maybe more than one hurricane that has come in and has basically put that building at what I would consider a dangerous, dangerous place. I don't think code, I don't think anybody would allow them to build that close now. I, I think that's that was built years ago. All week long, you could open the door and you would hear those waves that was crashing in uh, so much that it was times it shook the building. You could feel the building as some of those waves would hit very hard. They had put sandbags, and I'm not talking about your mom and pop sandbags that you get at the Ace Hardware. I'm talking about sandbags almost the size of compact cars that they, they had put and they had lined them up 
and that was the protection, and it was working fairly well. But in my mind, as much as I felt like everything was safe, I went to bed every night not worrying that I was going to wind up in the middle of the night in the ocean. I felt safe, but I also know that all it would take is one hurricane, and it's over for that particular set of buildings. Matter of fact, it is really not if that building is going to go. It is when that building is going to go. Who knows? But those waves continually crashed. They never stopped. It was 24-7. Matter of fact, I love the sound of the ocean. I think it's a wonderful sound. It's relaxing. But I'll be honest, we were so close that it was kind of nice when we left just to hear some silence because that is that's a powerful sound to constantly 24-7 hear those waves crashing in. And when you look at a building such as that, and you know that it is safe at this time, you also know that when the storm comes, when this building will be at its weakest, will be at a particular time. And who knows when it will be, but it is coming. There is in our lives a similarity of a spirit, of a, of, of a life that we live, that there is a, a world around us that is constantly as the ocean waves crashing in upon us. They are constantly working to pull down our defenses, to pull down our, our convictions, and to tear at us and to weaken us in a world that is not nurturing to our faith, but rather is very much uh, an, a, an enemy, enmity of our walk with God. And so knowing that, you have to understand that there is something about weakness in our lives that we have to have, as I said earlier, a conversation with ourselves and with the Lord of what we're going to do when weakness comes into our lives. We will have weak times and seasons. I want to speak to you today about three individuals, three things that deal with our weakness. Number one, when I am weak, Satan seeks to expose and exploit my weakness. When I'm weak, somebody say, when I'm weak. Satan seeks to expose and exploit my weaknesses. Verse Peter 5 and verse 8 gives us a clear description of, of that enemy that we face. Be sober and well-balanced and self-disciplined. Be alert. And cautious at all times, that enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking or fiercely hungry is the amplified, seeking whom he may devour, someone to devour. Satanic attack, when he sees that we are weak, when the devil sees that we have a weak or vulnerable place, just know this. He's not going to back off and he's not going to say, well, I see that you're having a rough week. 
I'm going to give you a few days off and then I'll come back and I'll start, I'll start attacking you again. I'd sure not want to kick you when you're down. I sure don't want to, I don't want to exploit your weakness right now. So I'll, I'll go mess with somebody else. It's exactly the opposite of that. He watches and he waits for there to be something in our lives. It's very much like those documentaries that we watch on television and you watch those lions or those wolves and they're watching that flock or they're watching that herd and they're they're just out there you know they're just minding their own business I'm not talking about the wolf I'm talking about the herd and they're just grazing and they move along something startles or spooks them and they move along but there's that one that one deer, that one elk that just seems to hang back, right? He just doesn't seem to move. He's found him a good spot and he doesn't want to move. And suddenly it's like watching a, a horror movie. You're starting to root for him. You're starting to say, go. my weakness. He is waiting for me to have those moments. He has watched me for years. The devil has watched my life. He has listened to my conversations. He has watched my body language. He watches everything about me. And that is why he knows what to put in your life to bait you, to draw you. The Bible says every man is tempted. Every man is tempted, not of God, but when he is drawn away by his own lust. Everybody in this room hear me today. You've got something in your life and whether you are willing to admit it or not or even acknowledge it, the devil knows it exists. And when the devil sees that, he's going to try to drive you in that direction. And when he can get you to that place and throw that thing up in front of you, he will draw you away from God. It is the devil's job. He is as a fiercely hungry, roaring lion. He never stops like the waves of that building, hitting that building or those sandbags. The devil's never going to stop. You say, man, that wears me out thinking about it. Yes, you need, to, you need to understand giving up or thinking, man, what do I do? I'm getting to that. But don't ever think that the devil rests. He goes to and fro. He moves about in this old world, seeking whom he may devour. 
devour. And then when he draws you into it, then he becomes the accuser. The Bible says he is called the accuser of the brethren. There's an Old Testament scripture that says it this way. Zechariah 3, then the angel showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusation against Joshua, the high priest. When we read that, we understand in the spirit realm that there is a devil that stands before God day and night and he says, look at what they're doing. Look at their failures. Look at their sins. Look at how they're being drawn away. I'm getting to something after this, but you've got to know you have a real enemy and to deny that that enemy exists is to put yourself in peril like you've never been in peril before. To ignore weakness is detrimental. You have to acknowledge I've got weak spots in my life. Can you shout amen to that? Jesus would say to to, uh, Peter, he said in Luke 22, Simon, Simon, Peter, listen, Satan has demanded permission to sift all of you like grain. Satan has asked permission. He has said to the Lord, Lord, I see some weakness in this man. Lord, notice the language. He has asked. He has desired is what the King James, but the Greek says there, he has desired or asked permission. He has said to God, God, I dwell in darkness. Lord, I'm the, I'm the prince of darkness. There's darkness in that life, so I get to rule that part of that life. How many knows the devil is the prince and the power of darkness? That's why if you have darkness in your life, that's why if you have unconfessed territory in your life, he gets to walk over to that darkness and say, here's my reign, here's my authority. That's why that all of us need to understand the power of confession and the power of bringing to light those things that we are weak in and to look up at God and say God I can't do this on my own I'm tired of fighting this by myself I'm tired of thinking that that I can get through this I reach up now God and I say God here it is I am weak I am weak and the devil knows I'm weak I am weak Lord and he's he's exploiting that in my life and he's going to sift that out of me so when I am weak there's a devil that comes into my life and He demands that area from God. You say, well, how can he do that? He can do that because God has given him permission to do that. God has given him permission to do that. The Lord is light. And where where there is darkness in our life, that's where the devil's domain is. Isn't it interesting? Jesus made a statement one time near his, his death. He said to his disciples, Satan has nothing in me. The God of this world, the prince of this world has nothing in me. Let me say it this way. The the God of this world, Satan, has nothing on me. Jesus was saying there's nothing the devil can point his finger at me and say I know this about you. Now that was Jesus, but there's nobody else in this room. Jesus said I'm telling you now I'm going to the cross 
And I'm telling you now, the devil has nothing on me. He's not going to show up at the end and say, hey, 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 wait a minute. I know this about you. I know what you've done when nobody was looking. I know those things you were battling. I know, no, no. The Lord said, no, I've lived this impeccable life. I've lived this sinless life. I've watched the Father. I've done and obeyed the Father's the ways. And so he was able to go. That's why we need a Jesus in our lives that says, hey, you're going to be covered by me. And when you're covered by me, the devil has nothing on you you. That's why today you don't need to be by yourself. That's why today you don't need to face the lion by yourself. How many thankful you've got a name that's above every name? Go ahead and give him praise right now if you know he's a delivering Savior. He's the mighty God. He's the mighty God. So it is here that Peter couldn't even see this about himself. He said, well, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will utterly deny me three times that you, that you even know me. You're going to deny. But he said, Lord, I'm ready. There's things we cannot even admit about ourselves. That even when the Lord says, you've got an issue here, we go, no, no, I don't think so. If the Lord says, I have an issue, I better listen. I better get a tissue for my issue. I better say, Lord, let me listen to this because if I ignore my weakness, the Bible says it this way, 1 Corinthians 10 and 12, therefore let the one who thinks he stands firm, immune to temptation, being overconfident and self-righteous, take care that he does not fall into sin and condemnation. Don't ever walk in this. I know there's some things about the presence of God, the spirit of God, the anointing of God that we just kind of feel like we're, we're, we're invincible at times. We can just say, man, there's no way I'm going to walk out of here and never fail again. But if you live long enough, you know it is not if I'm weak. It is when I am weak. It is not if I get hit by the enemy. It's when I get hit by the enemy. And that's why I don't stand today in, in any realm or any way or any age that I've ever been and I look and go well I've arrived I've served God long enough no I've still got a journey ahead of me until now in the grave I've still got a journey ahead of me and I've got to know that when I'm weak I've got to rely on the Lord I've got to understand that there's going to be there's going to be those moments so when I am weak know that I have an enemy that is seeking after that weakness so get real about it get real about it when I am weak the devil exploits and exposes my weakness. So let me, let me go to the next. When I am weak, let me, let me finish the sentence. When I am weak, I attempt to excuse me, not the devil. The devil exposes. I excuse. When I am weak, I personally excuse my weaknesses. I personally, immediately constantly say, well, you know, it's just being human. I take weakness and I don't get honest about it. I begin to fudge the numbers. I begin to cook the books of my life and I begin to say, well, you know, it's, I'm not so bad. I'm not so bad. Are you with me? The same one that I talked about, Simon Peter, who failed the Lord, did exactly what the Lord said he would do. Later, the Lord is with him. The Lord is giving him an opportunity to express worship. Remember the story? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? Remember that? Three times. I wasn't forgetting what I was saying. It literally was three times. 
Do you love me? And Peter was, yes, I love you, Lord. You know I love you. Until he was so frustrated after the third time that he said, Lord, you know I love you. You know all things. You know that I love you. And then this is the setting. He's sitting there and he's thinking that over. You know I've kind of been called out in front of my brothers here. The Lord's asked me that if I love him, and I'm a little uncomfortable with that question, I believe it was a sincere man, but at the same time he's human, and he sees that his weaknesses have been confronted by the Lord. This is what Peter says. He doesn't say, well, Lord, I'm weak, and you know I'm weak. This is what he says. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Now, John wrote this, this gospel, and this is John talking about himself here. He said, Peter turns around, and he could have said it this way, and he looked at me. But John uses a third-person expression here, and he says, Peter turns and sees the disciple whom Jesus loved. I always love that about John's writing. John described himself never as me or John. He says he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. Does anybody see yourself? Wow, what a description of who you are. Oh my, I just feel like stopping right there. Who in this room says about yourself, I'm the one who Jesus loves? The disciple, no, it's, well, I'm, I'm the bum, or I'm the guy that's always messing up, or, or, I'm, the guy, or I'm, the, I'm the one that led them to victory. I'm, whatever it is, you need to stop all that and just get, take a lesson from John right now and say, you know who I am? I'm the disciple. Whom Jesus loves. I'm the one the Lord saved. I'm the one the Lord reached for. And Peter turned and he saw John. And if you read, you do know there's a little competitive nature among these guys still to that moment. To that moment, it would change later after the Holy Ghost fell. And you would think that it should change when the Holy Ghost gets in our hearts. We'd stop this competitive nature. Amen. So th this is still before the upper room. And, and Peter turns and says, looks over right after he's been called out, do you love me, do you love me, do you love me? He then turns and sees John, who, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and he says, Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Ooh, anybody ever said something and somebody beside them makes it a whole lot worse when they go, ooh, Somebody the other day said something to me. It was a, it was really a compliment, and it was they were they were really sharing something. To just it, I won't go into it because they may see this and know who it is. But but they said it, and then somebody else standing beside them went oh, and it changed the whole the whole meaning of what that guy was saying. He was being nice to me, like pastor, and then the other guy went oh yeah, and I'm like I don't think he meant that to burn me. And then it changed the whole thing, and I'm like, I'm trying to be nice, and I'm thinking, man, I, this is weird. This is kind of where John was when, when Peter, he looks over and says, all right, Lord, you've asked me three times, do I love you? Well, what about John over here? I can hear him all going, ooh. That is exactly what we do when our weakness is, is exposed. We, the devil exploits it. We excuse it. We start trying to find somebody else to talk about. We try to find someone else that, well, you know, I might have this issue, but have you noticed they have that issue? 
That doesn't make your issue any better. You, you're just excusing the, the, the situation in your life. Are you with me today? All of us are going to have weaknesses. All of us have weaknesses. That's why you need to have a conversation now. When I am weak... The devil's going to exploit it. He's going to, he's going to tr- take advantage of it. And when I am weak, I have a tendency to excuse it. I have a tendency to throw off on other people and, and, and make it about them and not myself. And so we have to understand that excuse is as human as it gets. Matter of fact, it is the first response to the first and original sin. When the Lord came walking in the garden and he was saying, Adam, Adam, where are you, Adam? Anybody know that when God is asking a question, he's not asking because he doesn't know the answer. When the Lord said, Adam, where are you? He knew exactly where they were. He was saying it to get Adam to start thinking about his life. If you feel that God is speaking a question into your life, he is asking you some things to get you to think again about where you are. Adam, where are you? Finally, he's hiding, and the Bible says that he says, well, Lord, I'm over here. I knew I was naked, and I hid myself. And then the conversation goes, who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the truth? And the conversation goes The first thing out of Adam's mouth Is this statement Lord it's the woman You gave me That's in the Bible The first first response to sin Is a double down Excuse It's the woman You gave me If it's not her fault Then it's your fault for giving her to me Excuses, excuses. That is how we respond when we are in a moment of vulnerability. We find ourselves saying, Lord, if it wasn't for my culture, if it wasn't for my upbringing, if it wasn't, well, the reason I lose my temper is I I grew up in a household of this. Well, the reason that I have a, a proclivity to drink is I grew up that way or I've been around that. You know what? You may have a point, but it's still an excuse. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And we don't get to say, the, we don't get to have the excuse making the world does. When God gave me his spirit, he gave me power. He gave me, he gave me strength. And I don't need to make excuses. My dad used to say something about excuse. What an excuse is. Now you got to listen to this because this is old school preaching. He would say, an excuse, i got to get it right, an excuse is the skin of a reason wrapped around a lie. The skin of a reason that hits you like, what? It's the skin, it looks like a reason, but inside it's a lie. You've taken the facade of what, well, you know, this is going to look right. This is going to look good. You know, it really was the woman. She did eat first. I mean, come on. Eat. Be honest. You. I, I love that story. That, there's so much in that story. Have you ever wondered? He let her eat. And then he ate. You ever wonder why he ate? Somebody said, because he loved her so much. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think it was love. He was going to die with her. No, I think he ate it because he saw she did not die. So 
say, well, she didn't kill over. But you know, they did die. They died unto God. They died on communion with God. They died, they died, they went from being God conscious to self-conscious. They went from it being about the Lord to being about I better hide over here and make excuses of why I'm living the way I'm living. That's the problem with sin. You go hide and you have something that you put in front of you and God. You say, well, God, I wouldn't be this way if all this had not taken place. That's what I do when I'm weak. When I'm weak, the devil exposes it. When I'm weak, I excuse it. That's how we do things. Matter of fact, we even use things like this. Well, I had a moment of weakness. As if suddenly it was okay. I mean, well, hey, guys, he had a moment of weakness. Have we ever done that? I, you know, why'd you do that? Well, guys, I just had a, I had a moment of weakness. Oh, okay, well, you're good. No, you're not good. You can't use that. Matter of fact, the Bible says it this way. Listen, hang in there. I'm, I'm, I've not got to number three yet. Now, just listen to me. When you're weak, you make excuses that, that you're the only one and nobody else knows what you're going through. And, and, and you know, it, my life is different. But Corinthians says in 10 and 13, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. You're no different. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Can I tell you right now that every one of us are going to be weak and every one of us are going to be tempted, but nobody gets to stand on the other side of it and go, well, it was more than I could handle. No, the Bible says that in everything, he's going to give you a way of an escape. And if you had moved to the next level, and you had stopped listen the devil's going to expose it you're going to excuse it but here's what God is going to do God is going to absolutely take that and excel you into faith you excuse it but God says let me take your weakness let me take your failure and let me bring something excellent into your life that will bring God the glory how many is thankful that God knows that you're weak that's something he's not ignoring he knows that you have weaknesses that's why we come to this scripture that I read to you 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 but he said to me this is Paul my grace my favor and loving kindness and mercy is enough for you sufficient against any danger and enables you to bear the trouble manfully for my strength and power are made perfect fulfilled and completed and show themselves most effective in your weakness. Therefore, Paul said, I will all the more gladly glory in my weaknesses and my infirmities that the strength and the power of Christ, the Messiah, may rest. Yes, this is what it means in the Greek. When he says, I may rest, it means may pitch a tent over and dwell upon you. So for the sake of Christ, I am well pleased and take pleasure in infirmities, insults, hardships, persecutions, perplexities, distresses. For when I am weak in human strength, then am I truly strong, able, powerful, and divine strength. I want to clarify something. Paul, and I've used a whole lot and alluded a whole lot to this about it being weakness and sin. Paul's really not using that here. He is saying when I am human weak that I cannot fulfill the will of God because I'm limited. Because I'm human. Because I am 
I suffer. I, I'm imprisoned. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing all these things that I'm trying to do for the Lord, but every time I turn around, I'm being impeded by things. I'm being attacked by things. He said, that, that frustrated me. And then he started talking about a thorn in the flesh. This is that chapter that talks about the thorn in the flesh. Some have tried to make the thorn in the flesh some sin that Paul had in his past and it would haunt him. I don't believe that for a second. I do believe that Paul was, uh, like any man, he had was tempted and I'm sure he failed in areas of his life. But he was also a very moral man. We kind of get the idea. And even in this sermon, I want to make it very clear. I am not glorifying failure. I am not saying, hey, the more you fail, the more God gets to pick you up and get glory out of your failure. That's not at all. Matter of fact, Paul addressed something in the book of Romans. He said, shall, shall, we, con- shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? See, there was a belief, believe it or not, there was a belief in that day that said, hey, he gets to forgive, he wants to forgive me. He wants to love, he wants to give me grace. So, if, if I keep sinning, I get, I get to do what I want to do and sin. And God gets to do what he wants to do and forgive me. That's a lousy way to live. I get to do whatever. You know, he, he takes pleasure in forgiving me and I take pleasure in sinning. That's, Paul, matter of, Paul said it this way. He said, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, Are we, should we just continue so God could just keep giving... You know what his answer was? God forbid. Matter of fact, it wasn't even that he answered it uh, that no, we shouldn't. He answers, how can we continue in sin when we are dead to it? It's not about if I get to, it's how can I? I'm not that man anymore. I'm not that person anymore. That's what you've got to understand. You're not just a sinner that's forgiven. You have been made holy. You have been transformed. You have been given a new nature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You will have struggles with that old nature, but that old is not you. You are the new individual that God has made you. And you need to start taking a hold of that and saying, I am who I am by the grace of God. I am a new creation. I'm a new creature. I'm not what I used to be. Somebody help me right now. I'm not that person anymore. I identify as a new individual in Jesus Christ. Somebody give him a praise right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So when I sin, the devil exploits it. I excuse it. When I am weak, when I am weak, God walks in and says, we're not going to leave it this way. We're going to handle this right now. I'm going to show you who I am in your failure. I'm going to show you who I am. Paul, remember, he said this is a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that thorn in the flesh was. It could have been his eyesight that we know the way he wrote in history says that he lost his eyesight. It could have been that. It could have been persecution from some outside source. But whatever it is, he called it a thorn in the flesh. And he said, God gave this thorn. Because he was also the same one that had been the third heaven. Here's the difference. I don't know if anybody in this room, and I would probably doubt your story. I have to be honest. I'm a skeptic. If you came to me and said, well, I've been to the same third heaven Paul's been to, I'd say, well, that's good. Good for you. That's, we celebrate that with you. Because what Paul saw in the third heaven, 
in that chapter that I read from you, he said, he didn't even identify it as him. He said, I know a man that went there. He didn't even say, I've been there. You know, that's usually our nature is we, we want to say, let me tell you what I saw in the Holy Ghost. I saw. You know what Paul saw? He saw something so glorious that he couldn't even and would not put his name on it. He said, I know a man. But then when he related to his sin or his weaknesses, he said, I've got weaknesses. That's the total opposite of us. We walk in and we want to say, let me tell you what I found the third day of my fast this week. I found, a, I, I just was in the clouds and I saw this beautiful light and it just, this voice and we're like, oh, that's great. That's amazing. You might have got something to eat and it might have helped because you were hallucinating. I'm not, I'm not downing literal visions that we, God will give us. But here's the thing. When you really see what Paul saw, you're not going to walk out of the room letting everybody know what you just... You're going to be very humbled. Paul said, I saw things that's not even a language for. I saw things that I don't even have words to describe what's heaven, what heaven is going to be like. How many knows that the half has not yet been told? How many knows there's things that we can't even put a language on of where we're headed? But I tell you what Paul could relate to. He related to his weakness. And that's where we relate to one another in this room. Some of you right now can say, well, I don't know if I can be a part of this because I'm not as strong and I'm not as powerful. And this looks like a very spiritual. You know what? We, I want us to be spiritual. I want us to be strong. But it's relatable because there's weakness in this room it's relatable because everybody has a testimony of where God has brought them in this room and everybody in this room sometimes we shy away when I am weak I don't want to talk about it when I am weak I go hide my my, my thought, my faults when I am weak I go well Lord I'm going to wait over here till I'm better and then I'll go back and get among them but the Lord says no when you're weak you'll let people know I'm going through something because when I come through in your life the Lord says I want some glory for it. I'm telling somebody right now, whatever you're going through, you need to lift up your hands and say when I am weak, his strength is made perfect in my life and he's going to excel. He's going to bring something glorious. Clap your hands. If you know I'm telling the truth today, give God a shout of praise. I'm almost finished. You have to understand something about the Lord. He is attracted to our weakness. He is attracted to our to our weak, hear that. He is attracted to weakness. Get that. He is, he is drawn to those that are of a contrite heart. We have to understand. A lot of times we think, I've got to put the strong side up. I've got to, I've got to, that's a facade often. We've got to put that up. You know, I'm going to put my game face on when I go to church. And, and I'm not saying you ought to walk in here and look like you lost my, again, back to my dad. I don't think you ought to walk in here and look like you lost your best friend. And, and dad used to say, and somebody licked the red off your candy. I don't know what that means, but. It just meant that you're having a bad day. Oh, and he added this, and you look like you were baptized in pickle juice. That's the, that's the preacher I grew up under. Oh, I want to tell you, some folks will walk in, and they want you to know I've had a bad day. Oh, please, I need you. No, I'm not talking about a feeling sorry for yourself, but I am at the same time. We're not saying you ought to come in here and fake it till you make it. You ought to come in here and say, you know what? It's been a tough time, but I'm in the house of God today. I've had a rough time, but I'm here today, and I need my brothers. I need my sisters. I need Stello. I need God in my life. I'm here today. I'm a walking miracle today. Just the fact I got here today. It's a miracle how many is with me right now. When you're weak, he is strong. When you are weak, God will be strong and show himself glorious in your life. He is drawn to your weakness.
drawn to that. You've got to get that. He's not, he's not repulsed by your weakness. He knows where you're weak and he says, that's my starting point in your life. We think we, we, we need to come before him and show him all of our, our gifts. The Lord is not searching for your strengths. He gave you those strengths. He's searching for your weaknesses. For he can begin there. And you, you say, why? Because he wants the glory. Because he doesn't want to get finished and the miracle be there and you go. <laughs> you and me, right? And the Lord says, no, just me. He'll make sure you get to a point. I'm done, but he'll make sure you get to a point. And the more you fight it, the weaker you're going to get. Gideon, read it. God took him down to 300 men. And he was already at, at just a few thousand. He said, Lord, we're, this is going to take a miracle. God said, you still have too many. He said, because when you defeat the enemy, he said, you're going to look and go, look what we've done. And he said, because you're going to be, it's going to be pretty amazing that you had that, that few of thousand. And he said, so I'm just going to make sure that when you get so far down that you go, well, it can't be us at all. It's got to be a God thing. That's why God took him to 300 against thousands and tens of thousands of the enemy. And God says, I'm going to keep taking, I'm going to keep reducing until you finally look up and go. takes it and he makes something glorious out of it. Would you stand with me today? Corinthians says God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He's chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The base things of the world, the despised things God has chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh that no flesh should glory in his presence I want to finish with something that I found when I was studying this the word glory the glory Paul said I'm going to glory in my infirmities I'm going to glory rather in my weaknesses the word glory is an amazing word there it's not the same as it's used in other places the word glory um, is oftentimes in the New Testament it means weight or weighty the glory of God is weighty, like you, you, you measure gold by weight. But that's not what this word means. This word is actually a word that can be a negative connotation, but it's turned to a positive. Let me read it to you. Properly, the word glory, I will glory in my infirmities. It means living with head up high. Boasting from a particular vantage point by having the right base of operation to deal successfully with a matter. It likely comes from the root Greek word that means neck. I'll not try to pronounce it. I wouldn't get it right and you would, wouldn't know it either way. It means neck in the Greek, the neck. What holds the head up is the word glory like the Greek word neck. What holds the head up high or upright? Figuratively, it refers to living with God-given confidence. So when Paul said, hear me closely, when Paul said, I will glory in my infirmities, he said, I will lift up my head from a vantage point 
because I can see that from where I'm standing, not with my head down, but I'm going to lift up my head. And it would, to, to the world, it would appear like an arrogance. Paul's not talking about arrogance. And Paul's not talking about self-pity. He's saying, I have now recognized from my weakness, this is the best vantage points I have to God's victory and God's glory and God's presence in my life. So today, do not walk out here defeated and beaten down and destroyed because you have weakness. The devil will exploit it. You will excuse it. But God will cause you to excel. Today you need to get a vantage point that God has left you in that moment of vulnerability so that you can look at and say, God, without you, I can't do it. And God says, thank you. That's what I've been waiting on. That's what I've been waiting for right there for you to call on me. Nobody has to walk to this altar alone today. We're going to do this together. We do it every week. But if you, let me just say, when I'm weak, you need to do some soul searching about that because it's coming. Either today you're dealing with it or you're going to deal with it soon. There's going to be weak moments. So you're in a room filled with people that will come up to this altar and have a similar conversation with God that you will have that says, God, I have places and things I'm not very proud of, but I know that you're there with me. And I want to lift up my head in that, and I want to say that's where it begins. I have a victory in sight. I have something, Lord, that you're going to do.